Welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. I'm Tanya Morgan, and on today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Mel Fraser, who works for Soil Function Consulting, and we're going to be talking sandy soils. Welcome, Mel. Great to have you here. Thanks, Tanya. We've been running a number of different projects this year at Mallee Sustainable Farming. We're looking at all sorts of things to do with sandy soils. Some of it's looking at constraints. Some of it's looking at deep ripping. Some of it's looking at what machine do you pick for the constraints. And a lot of people would know that we did a round of sandy soils masterclass activities last year. We managed to dig some soil pits and really get farmers looking at what's happening under the surface. So we thought we might pick your brain today on what are the things that you should look at prior to coming up with a soil amelioration strategy on your farm. So you've been working on sandy soils for nearly a decade. You did your PhD in soils? In soils, yep. Yep. Excellent. I think we've got the right person for the job. What's your main learning about sandy soils? Where do we start? I guess we know that yield variability across sandy soil landscapes is pretty high. Very rarely have the same yield right across a paddock. And ordinarily, we know that the same paddock will get the same rainfall, right, across the whole paddock. So how do we generate the same yield across that same area? And we know that a lot of sandy soils are either naturally um, have constraints or we've managed to develop constraints we, through our current farming, farming practices. practices. Yep. So my main message is know your constraints. It's really common, I guess, for people in the sandy soil space to see responses to deep tillage. So we've had lots of uptake of deep ripping, for example. But there's actually more than just high soil strength, which is limiting yield in our sandy soil landscape. So that's compaction, isn't it? Yeah, it can either be. Um, compaction or some soils actually set really hard as they dry as well and that limits also a root exploration down through the profile. So of the four major constraints in sandy soils, it's water repellents at the surface, which impacts the way water infiltrates into the soil and impacts on crop establishment. Extremes in pH, we commonly see, or even let's say Mallee sands, for example, usually naturally alkaline, but we're actually mm. seeing acidification quite strongly in the surface, sort of 10 to 15 centimetres in those soils. In the sort of upper southeast, we see a lot of natural acidity in those deeper sands anyhow. So looking at extremes in pH, either acidic or alkaline, high soil strength, like I mentioned before, We've got compaction down through the profile or a soil which is naturally prone to hard setting. And the other one is nutritional constraints. Again, we know we have this yield variability across paddocks, but we're probably fertilizing to a single kind of yield potential. We might be fertilizing to a two and a half ton yield potential, say, but we're only pulling off a ton on the hills and we might actually be pulling off three to four ton down on the flats. So we're potentially actually deficient in some nutrients in our high yielding areas and building up nutrients in other areas. And toxicity is the other one that, that can be an issue too, things like aluminium, which comes into solution when our pH drops. So those are the four major constraints. We know that they're widespread across sandy soils, but they're often not uniform. So it will change depending on where you are in the paddock and high spots and low spots in the mid-slope. So really, zone-based diagnosis of those constraints is really important. We know that sandy soils aren't just sandy soils are all different and the MSF region is 4 million hectares in size. It takes in the New South Wales, Victorian, South Australia, Mallee, for example. Where do we start with working out what the issue is? Like we know that we might have a patch that's not growing well. I think a lot of people can diagnose water repellents. They know that what, what gets wet and what establishes easily. But when it comes to things like pH and compaction, they're a bit harder to diagnose just by looking at it. What do we do? The first place to start is with a yield map. It's the perfect time for us to be having this conversation because hopefully people are accessing their yield maps off their header. 
And after they've had a bit of a break and a couple of beers over the summertime and time to relax, you know, the first thing to do is really assess what their yields were last year and where that variability occurs within the paddock. If they've got access to NDVR, the vegetation index, which is collected from space each week, you can overlay those things and say, well, my lower or poorer, poorer yielding areas in the paddock, is that something that persisted all year or did I get knocked out with frost or hail or something later in the season? So working out, well, what's been poor all year? And then really going out into the paddock with a shovel that is the first tool in the toolkit and digging some holes. And even things like compaction, you can see visually, sometimes just by the texture of the soil itself, but also where last year's crop roots grew. That's a really great indicator. And soil moisture as well. If you've got, this isn't a great year for it because we've had so much late rain, but ordinarily we would have dried the profile to where the roots could easily explore. Yeah, digging a hole after harvest can be really useful to see where the roots went, where the soil moisture changes because that will tell you if you've got moisture still left in the profile after harvest, it hasn't, you haven't drained the bucket, and which means you've lost yield in that case. So what do you need in your toolkit? You start with a yield map, take out your shovel, pH indicator kit. You can pick these up from the hardware shop or the garden nursery, which is about $25, and you can use those straight down the soil profile. A bit of water, so you can test for water repellents. You need dry soil in the surface. A penetrometer is a really handy piece of equipment. You can insert that into the soil when the soil is wet, preferably, and see how soil strength changes. A push probe is an alternative as well. It won't have a gauge on it with numbers, but you'll certainly still feel as soil strength or tightness changes down through the profile. And hopefully from that, you're confident then to take some soil tests. So you need a bucket and some plastic bags. So pretty simple soil diagnosis kit. And to give you some confidence around what constraints you've got in the profile, where they start and where they stop and how severe they are so that you can really come up with that right targeted amelioration package. When you take your shovel out there and you're digging a hole, how far down should people be digging with their shovel if they're going to look at those constraints? To the depth of amelioration. So if you've got a deep ripper which goes to 60 centimetres and you want to dig to 60 centimetres or at least you want to use a push probe or a penetrometer which can go to 60 centimetres because Mm. you want to know, have I got the right machine for the job? Do I actually have a physical constraint which extends to 60 centimetres or have I only got a compaction layer in the top 30 centimetres, for example, which will impact on the kind of machine that you select and how you set it up and how you operate it. Water repellents absolutely is one that it's just a couple of drops of water on the surface and time it with the timer on your phone. If it takes more than 60 seconds for water to infiltrate, you've got a a mild to moderate water repellents issue. pH, you really want to look for down the profile to 30 to 40 centimetres, dig a pit, just a profile. It can be just the width of your shovel is enough and squirt that indicator solution on, put on the powder and see how the colour develops down through the profile. It's just as important to rule out these constraints as it is to rule them in. And nutrition, again, I would really recommend that people do that on a zone basis so that you can, if you are coming up with an amelioration package of, say, deep tillage and you're trying to address an acidity issue with lime, and maybe you've got a repellency issue, so then you know you need actual soil mixing. You don't want to miss mm. the opportunity to incorporate that lime and dilute some repellents. Then if you've got a nutritional deficiency as well, if we remove all of those other physical constraints and chemical constraints, but then we're not actually feeding the crop to meet its new yield potential, yep. then we're still not actually going to close the gap as far as we can. So, yeah, unfortunately, there's no shortcuts here, but it doesn't have to come with a huge investment of cost. It's just a bit of your time. And Absolutely. Using yeah. So I guess people have come to soil pit days and it is not necessary to dig a full soil pit in the paddock to work out what's going on. You can just take a shovel and check in a few different places. Yeah, look, a shovel is the best place or tool to start with in that case. But 
if your soil is particularly hard to dig, and that can be common in our sandy soil landscape, then a front-end loader bucket is the depth that you need to dig. If you can at least get to 40 centimetres and expose a nice, clean sort of profile face, again, you can learn a lot just by looking at sort of crop roots and where they went, looking at the structure of the soil, and then those responses in terms of change of pH down through the profile. It doesn't have to be huge, but I would say dig more than one hole. And I think that's the key point of this project and everything you've described there. They're simple things that anyone could do. And it's really about taking the fear factor out of working out what's going on in the paddock. We can take a lot of the guesswork away. There's simple things that we can really get used to using that give us so much information because people often talk about soil amelioration, not knowing where to start and stop and all that sort of thing, but we can get better at it without having to have a PhD in soil science. Yeah, that's right. And I guess we've been working around trying to develop resources to support farmers in diagnosing these constraints, but then also ranking which one is the most severe so that you don't miss the opportunity to treat more than one constraint at a time, but you also know which one to target. There's some documents which you'll pop in the link. In the show notes, the show yes. Notes. Yeah. And that'll step people through how to actually conduct each of these tests to assess for repellents and extremes and pH and how to assess soil strength and how to collect good samples and interpret information from soil test results as well for nutrients, but also help you to categorise how severe that constraint is and which one to target first. Yeah. And we've got a lot more work happening in this space next year, so we aim to keep the conversation going. We want to keep showing people how we can measure these constraints and then what sort of decision you'll make from that, what machine will be best for your situation or what you should potentially avoid because you don't want to make the problem worse. Now, just before we finish up, I did want to ask you about the wet season that we're having. Soils are a lot wetter at this time of year than what they normally would be. We are going into a new season of soil amelioration in February, March. What are some of the implications? What are the things that are going to affect some of our measurements perhaps? The major one's going to be the impact of deep tillage. We know that there's a Goldilocks soil moisture which is ideal for deep ripping, for example. It's not too wet and it's not too dry. Now, what does that mean? Look, <laughs> get out and have a feel and see if you've already got a machine, then test it. But don't be afraid to put it away again because if you deep rip a soil which is really wet, then it can impact on that intertine sort of shatter, like the shatter that you would ordinarily get between the rip tines. I mean, it will just cut through and smear and so you can mm-hmm. do a, a bit of damage in that case. So I guess make sure you've got the best soil moisture for those types of operations. Things like water repellents, if you want to assess that in the paddock, the soil needs to be dry at the surface, okay? And so the summer and autumn is the best time to do that. If those soils are wet at the time, if you have had rainfall, then collect a sample and take it back and just leave it in a warm spot to dry, not necessarily in the direct sun, but just in a warm spot to dry and then do that test just with the just the water droplet infiltration test. pH in soil can vary with soil moisture. So if you're looking at the pH and the profile that's wet throughout, it might actually be slightly higher with one of those indicator kits okay. than if it was dry. You're still going to see the variation though in terms of pH and we'll commonly see a lower pH in that kind of 5 to 15 centimetre kind of mm-hmm. band in soils. What that pH indicator is going to do though is tell you the best steps or help to inform the best steps to actually take samples to send to the lab. Okay. So I would still use that as an indicator to inform sampling depth rather than a diagnosis tool that says this is how much lime to apply. It really says if you've got some extreme in pH, take a sample, send it off, get the real numbers back. And compaction? Compaction, yeah, I mean, ordinarily you wouldn't be able to use a penetrometer to assess soil strength in the summertime because the profile is dry and we really want to do that when the soil typically is at field capacity. So full of water but not saturated, it's had some time to drain. So we would usually do that sort of 
August. Now's a perfect time. <laughs> the moment. We've actually still got a pretty good soil moisture yeah. right through the profile. So you probably could use that with a bit more confidence because soil strength will naturally increase as the soil dries. So you want to use that penetrometer when the profile's nice and wet. Yep. Excellent. Some really good tips there. Thank you very much, Mel. We will be providing some more resources in the show notes and we hope to get you back out to the Mallee next year. Uh, last year, you managed to film some virtual tours in some of the soil pits, which we hope to bring to people this year. We can't wait to release those. Some really great information there. So thanks very much again for joining us. Thanks for having me. This project is called Building Knowledge and Capacity in Growers and Advisors to Diagnose Sandy Soil Constraints and Ensure Successful Amelioration of Sandy Soils. The project is supported by Mallee Sustainable Farming with funding from the Australian Government's National Land Care Program and the Grain Research Development Corporation. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later. Music